Thank you for choosing to listen to today's message by Reverend Dr. David Entry. We know you will be blessed as you seek and serve God. We believe that this message will stir up a desire for more of God, even as you listen. Be blessed. Eat my flesh, drink my blood, part two. Last Sunday, I spoke about how Jesus said we should eat his flesh and drink his blood. Amen. In John chapter 6, from verse 47. Verily, verily, I say unto you, he that believes on me has everlasting life. That is key. That is so significant, that statement. Let's, that is what, that's what underlines and undergets and underscores everything we are going to be explaining. That key phrase, all right, that phrase, believes in me, all right? So he that believes uh, if that believes on me has everlasting life. Believes on me. I'll come back to that in a minute. I am the bread of life. Your fathers did eat manna in the wilderness and are dead. This is the bread which comes down from heaven that, that a man may eat thereof and not die. I am the living bread which came down from heaven. If any man eats of this bread, he shall live forever. And the bread that I give is my flesh, which I will give for the life of the world. So he started talking about bread, which is vegetative life from the plant life. Then he says that the bread which I'm giving is my flesh, which has to do with um, the animal life and flesh must always have blood. So vegetative life, and then the animal life, because to have the flesh, blood must flow. It's just implicit. All right, so um, he said that the bread I'll give you is my flesh. And this is how he puts it. I am the living bread. This, uh, this is a living bread. And in Lisha, he says the bread of life, okay? The bread that gives life. But this one is living. I'm the living bread which came down from heaven. If any man eats of this bread, he shall live forever. Eating of this bread keeps you alive forever. Eating of this bread. And as I explained the other time, verse 47 says that, Verily, verily, I say unto you, he that believes on me has everlasting life. So to believe on him is what gives you life. And guess what? To eat him, okay, is how you get life. So, as I explained, eating him is the same as believing on him. That's so important. So, th- that underscores everything we are teaching. So, when someone says, I believe in Christ, right, that is what means, that, uh, that is the mean, uh, when you believe in Christ, what does it mean? It means that you are eating his flesh. That is what leads to how should we eat his flesh. In what manner do we believe in him? You say you believe in Christ. <laughs> in James chapter 1, he says that you say you believe in God. The devils also do and even tremble. So when someone says, I believe in Jesus, it does not necessarily mean the person is on the right path or um, has. We, in, in the Apostles' Creed, the, the statement is, I believe in God the Father Almighty. Christianity has everything, listen to this please, has everything to, don't don't forget this, Christianity has everything to do with belief. The foundation and the platform of Christianity is belief, which is faith. Belief in what? Belief in the Lord Jesus Christ. Right? So, people believe... In other things, not even, watch this, not even believing in God. Am I saying it's not, you, you won't believe, how can you believe in Christ if you don't believe in God? But people believe, there are people who believe in God, but they don't believe in Christ. Now, if you believe in Christ, because other religions accept Christ, but they don't believe in him the way we are supposed to believe in him to be saved, to be saved. So, what makes him unique is uh, his, his morals, his lifestyle. 
His lifestyle made him unique. Jesus is unique in a lot of ways from all other religious leaders or founders. One, his birth makes him unique because he was the only one who was born without the involvement of a, a man. Yes, some other people in history, according to science, uh, can be born without man. That is when the, the uh, egg begins to multiply without fertilization. In science, it's called parthenogenesis. Parthenogenesis. And it happens in some animals. Without fertilization, the egg begins to multiply by itself. But, so it's happened really, extremely, really, it's actually happened amongst human beings where a woman gets pregnant without involvement of a man, without her hymen being broken or with a hymen intact, gets pregnant or gets pregnant without the involvement of a man. However, all those pregnancies, the birth is women. You can never get pregnant without the involvement of a man and give birth to a man. So um, parthenogenesis, which is an error incident among human beings, maybe once in billions, or billions or trillions once, is, um, it cannot be a, a male. So Jesus Christ being the male, a virgin shall give birth to a son. God, Isaiah says, for God himself will give you a sign. For a virgin, a virgin shall conceive and give birth to a son. Okay, so, so Jesus' birth makes him unique. His, his lifestyle, his moral make him unique. His miracles. God they said, no one, the said, no one can do this kind of things you are doing. The miracles you do, except God be with him. John chapter 3 verse 2. His miracles were exceptional. In the sense that, in the, in fact, when John the Baptist sent, uh, Matthew 11, sent his disciples, that, uh, go and ask him, is he the one to come or will you expect another one? Jesus said, go ahead and tell him. And he quoted Isaiah, the blind see, the lame walk, or the blind see. Uh, uh, it, it refers to this miracle and he spoke about the blind see and the lame walk. So the blind seeing, the giving sight to the blind was a rare miracle. It wasn't an Old Testament miracle. Nobody, all the prophets who were miracle, nobody was able to open a blind eye. None. None. So that's why the man who was healed with the blind eyes, the blind man, the man whose eyes were blind, born blind and was healed in John chapter 4, when the Pharisees were saying, this man is, is not of God. He said, no one, but no one. Have you ever heard anyone open the eyes of the blind? They asked, actually, no one has ever opened the eye of the blind, but Jesus did. His miracles were exceptional. So his birth, his morals, his miracles, and his teachings make him unique. But why am I saying all these things? His teachings make him unique in the sense that he taught at the highest standard of human living. His teachings are amazing. So his teachings are in two ways. The things he taught about others, how we relate to others and human relationship, impeccable, exceptional, faultless teachings. All right. And so watch this. Christianity is not hinged on that alone. So if we are going to focus on the teachings of Jesus, so long as relationship with others are concerned, a lot of religions will not have problems with us. And people will not have a problem with you as a believer. If you are going to teach on the, talk about the miracles of Jesus, it really people will not have a problem with you. If you're going to talk about his virgin birth, that, that is where they be a problem. I don't accept it. But that is not as worrying as his teachings concerning himself. So his teachings are two ways. The teachings concerning others and how life should be, how we should live among. And then his teachings concerning himself. That is the problem. The things he taught concerning himself is what got him killed. What got him executed. The teachings he taught concerning himself. The teachings he taught concerning himself is what now, when someone say they believe in Jesus, that is the problem. How, in what way do you believe in him? Do you believe... He, about his teaching concerning himself, that he is the son of the living God. He is the Messiah. So when people talk about belief, believing in Jesus in itself might mean accepting Jesus like the way other religious leaders may accept Jesus. They may accept Jesus. Other religions say, oh, we also believe in him. He's a prophet. He's a prophet, so we also believe in him. Yeah, but that's not believing in him salvifically or believing in him to be saved. 
believing in him so believing in christ is so fundamental that is why actually what i'm talking about is believing in how to believe in christ what to believe about christ when he said eat my flesh and drink my blood it means believe in me and have life believe in me and have life so that is the only way to have life and that's that's where the problem is how can you see that in this in a modern day uh, plural pluralistic world as i mentioned the other time all some of these isms pluralism talking about all authority does not reside in one religion every religion is true so we, we have to accept this religion accept religion and every one of them is true no there's only one truth i mean that is where the problem comes from where you say, how can you say Christianity is only the truth? How can you say Jesus is the only way? Because pluralism means that there are other ways that will also work. There are so many ways in killing a cat. <laughs> I like the way I said that I was teaching. There are many ways to hell, but there's only, way, only one way to heaven. Hallelujah. Listen, if you don't believe that, you are not a Christian. So if you say you are a Christian, then you believe. You know, it's not about, we say, that's what Jesus himself taught. Uh, see, so if you believe in Jesus, then you believe in what he taught. If you don't believe totally in what he taught, you are not a Christian. You have to believe in him, and that's the gospel. You believe in him, his life. Okay, so you believe in him as the son of God and the one who has life. Who, and he died for us. You believe in his death. Believing in him in a certain way is what determines whether you are saved or not. Not just accepting that he's a historic figure. He lived once. In fact, there are a lot of books written about Jesus, uh, historic uh, uh, books in those days. A lot of people wrote about Jesus because he was a real figure and an amazing leader. So believing in Jesus Christ, just saying I believe in him, but we are talking about when you believe in him, everything he taught, and watch this, you commit your life to it. That is where the, the reformers coined these three phrases. Um, so when it comes to faith, saving faith, okay? Saving faith, the faith that saves must have noticia or notai, which is, uh, no, no tie, the content, the data, the facts. So this is Jesus, he died, he did it, the facts of your belief. So you can't just say, I believe. You believe what? What do you believe? So some me, I'm a believer. No, 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 you see? That is why teachings become so important. As I said earlier on, Christianity is, is the platform of Christianity is belief. And what do you believe? Christian brother, church, what do we believe? They are start to say they are Christian leaders who believe differently. They believe differently from what Jesus teaches. They believe that it's all, all this is, is, is not, you know, it's all about love. It's not, <laughs> when I hear those things, I look at people, it's all, it's all about love. It's all about making sure that nobody is, it's, 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 it's all about, uh, some, some say, it's all about social justice. And they leave righteousness out or morality. You are making so much noise about social justice. How about morality? Morality. Should we, should we not talk about social? Yes, we can't leave that. So there are, there's one, the extreme, a, so only social justice matters. And others, the only morality matters. But God is both. He's righteous. God is righteous. He, everything must be done right. And you must live right. Your living is also important. Not what others are doing. Your life. Your behavior matters to God. He's the righteous God. He says that for the much shame of the gospel of Christ. For it's the power of God unto salvation. Romans chapter 1 verse 16. It's the power of God unto salvation to the Jews first and, the, and then to the Gentiles uh, and to the Greeks. Then verse 17 said, for in the gospel, in it, the righteousness of God is revealed. Righteousness is demonstrated. In the gospel, so God, they never, as I said the other time, when you study the scriptures very carefully, put particularly the Acts, the message they preach in the Acts, the, in the book of Acts, they never preach the love of God. They preach the righteousness of God and they preach believing in Christ. All right, that is the actual message of the church. The righteousness of God is revealed from the gospel as we preach it. How, how, how does it have? From faith, uh, by faith, from first to last, or from faith to faith. 
So the righteousness of God, they said, repent for the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent, the righteousness of God has come upon us. So believing, just believing and accepting. So they have the, the notai, the content, the data. What do you believe? What do you believe in? That's what I'm teaching. This is so important. And then the second part is, uh, so uh, uh, um, the um, noticia, the uh, ascensus. Okay, so you accept it. These are the facts. Jesus died on the cross to save us from our sins and he resurrected, he seated in, the, in heaven, interceding on our behalf. Do you believe it? Yes, I believe it. These are the facts. He, he, I believe in God, the Father, of my, uh, Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth. Yes, I do. In, in, in Jesus Christ, his only son, our God. Yes, I do. Who was born of the Virgin Mary. Yes, I do. Uh, 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 crucified and just by Yes, I do. Was, was dead. Yeah, he died. He actually died. He wasn't taken by some angel somewhere later on, come back. No, he died. Was dead. Yes, I do. Was buried. Yes, I do. And and on the third day, he, resurre he resurrected from the dead. Yes, I believe that. And he ascended into heaven. Yes, I believe it. And um, he ascended into heaven and seated at the right hand of God, the Father Almighty. Yes, I do. And from thence, he shall come to judge. He can come back to judge the living and the dead. Yes, I do. I believe in the. Uh, I, I, I believe in the Holy Spirit. Yes, I do. I believe in the holy. The holy one church, one body of Christ. Yes, I do. It's not only some people who are Christians. It's everybody who believes in Christ. It doesn't matter your background, your culture, your race. It doesn't matter your your, your gender. You know, once you believe in Christ, yes, I do. I believe that there's one body. We are one body. First Corinthians 12, 12, one body. Yes, I do. And then I believe in the, uh, uh, um, I believe in the resurrection of the dead, the, uh, uh, the communion of saints, the resurrection of the dead, and life everlasting. These are the fundamental beliefs of Christianity, which when one of these days I'm going to be talking about, when we talk about contending for the faith, it's talking about these things. Other things like, is tongues accepted or not accepted? Cover hell, not cover hell. Should we worship on Saturday or Monday? Should we do all, the, all those things are petty, right? So we can disagree on how should we baptize children, uh, uh, credo baptism or pedo baptism? Which one should we go for? Uh, you know, um, all, the, all, all, all those things, that does not matter. They, they, they are important, but they are not different. They don't determine whether we are sons of God or not. What determines you are a Christian is when you believe in these things. I believe in Jesus Christ as what? As the son of the living God. So there are people who have always, in fact, there are uh, some of those great scientists, they believed uh, in God. They believed in God. But they, it's, it's called um, the, the, uh, deism. Deism. They are deists. They believe that there is God. But God created the world and now he's not in control anymore. So human beings are controlling it. They are days. So the fact that you say you believe God doesn't mean anything. Excuse me. The fact that you say you believe in one God does not mean anything. It doesn't mean anything. There are other religions, Hindu, Hinduism and Buddhism and some of them, they, they believe in. Uh, there are uh, 3 million or 30 million gods or whatever. So many gods. Others also believe in one God. Only one God. Christians, we believe in one God, three persons. One God, three persons. Hallelujah. So this is a very important fact, right? So when we say we believe, so when someone says, I believe in God, please, it does not really mean much. I believe in Christ. You are getting there, but you are not quite yet there. You are not yet there until you eat him in a certain way. So you believe in him properly. Believe in Christ in what way? So as I said, Christianity has a lot to do with belief. John, John chapter twenty verse thirty, it says, John twenty thirty says that, and many other, other signs truly did Jesus in the presence of his disciples, which are not written in, in this book, but these are written that these what you are reading are written that ye might believe that Jesus is the Christ and the Son of God. She it's important. The Christ, that's talking about his assignment, his mission as the Christ, the one who came to do the work of God, the Son of God, talking about his person, the only one who, who came from God. Jesus did, did, never spoke about, I was born. He always spoke about, I came. I came to do, I was sent. I came to do his will. He sent me. That means he existed before he was born. He chose to be born. The only one who chose to be born. He chose where he'd be born and he chose his mother. 
<laughs> he was sent. So he said, he, I, no one has ever been seen the Father except him, John chapter 1, verse 18, who is in the bosom, who is from the bosom, from the inner man, in that core. So he was so one with God, he came, he was so one with God, he came from God to define God to us, to reveal God to us, to describe God to us, to explain God to us. Hebrews 1, 3 says that, for he is the express image of God's person. He is the express image of God's person. We want to know God. That's why it's John chapter 14, I think verse 9, 8 or 9. He told uh, uh, Philip, have I been with you all? He said, show us the Father is enough. He said, have I been with you all this while and you don't know me? You're asking to see the Father. <laughs> if, if you have seen me, you have seen the Father because I came to show you the Father. He's the Son of God and you have to believe that he came to. He is God on earth, God walking, God in human form, God arrested or captured in humanity. That's Jesus Christ. So he was fully human and yet God was, Bible says, grace is the mystery of godliness. God was manifested in the flesh. First Timothy chapter 3 verse 16. God was manifested in the flesh. Flesh, when you, that was real God. He had a mother. He was born. He was a baby at a point in time. He grew. He had friends. He had acquaintances. He, he was known in the neighborhood. He had brothers. His mother had other children. Judas, Peter. Uh, uh, he had other children. You see? So he, he actually was a human being. That's why they were having so much problem and saying that, why do you make yourself God? You a human being. Because in a certain sense, they were right, but they were wrong too. Because you just have to believe. It's not a research. It's not research that leads you to Christ. It's belief. When you hear the gospel, you believe the gospel, and it, 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 uh, that's what you, you get life. You become a Christian, someone who has life. So he said, these things are written that you will believe and believe what? Believe that Jesus is the Christ. This is so important. Well, let me read it. But these things are written that ye might believe that Jesus is the Christ, Mm-hmm. That Christ, the Son of God, and that believing ye might have life through his name. Cool. Thank you, Jesus. So it's, it's so this is so strong. It's captured here. That you have to believe. What do you believe? That he is the Christ. I remember I was in Ghana in uh, uh, Christmas season, and my friend invited me to preach in his church, and I preached a message that the Christ, whose son is, is, is he? It was Christmas Eve, special service. And I preach, the Christ, whose son is he? Oh, Mary's boy, child, Jesus Christ. Whose son is he? That's the same question, the last question Jesus asked the Pharisees. And from that time, no one ever asked him any question again. They were kept, they kept, the people, they kept asking questions, questions, questions. I think Matthew chapter 22, from, um, yeah, from verse 40 there. 41 there. He said, he said, I'll also ask you a question. Is it Matthew 21, 42? No, it's 22, 41, somewhere there. He said, I'll also ask you a question. And then he asked them the question, the Christ. That's a serious question. He said, the Christ, whose son is he? And Bible says that from that time, nobody dared ask him any question again. Um, yeah, chapter 22, verse 40, 41, somewhere there. Um, yeah, verse 40, saying, what do you think of the Christ? Whose son is he? That's a serious question. Whose son is he? And then Bible verse 40, 46 says that, and no one was able to answer him a word. Neither does any man from that day forth ask him any question anymore. They didn't ask him any question again from that day. But that, that, that question, Christ, whose son is he? Do you believe he's the son of God? Or they are celebrating, oh, he's the son of Mary. Son of Jesus, do you believe in the Son of God? So he said, these things have been written that ye might believe that Christ is the Son of God. When the man came in the jailer, Philippian jailer, in Acts chapter, uh, chapter 16, verse 31, he asked, what must I do to be saved? What must I do? And Peter, uh, sorry, Paul's, and Barnabas, Paul said to him, believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. Hmm? Yeah, believe. And Mark chapter 16, verse 16, he says that they that believe, this, uh, go and preach the gospel. Those who believe, this is what for this, this such shall follow those who believe. So it's believing that will make you Christians to the extent that the Christians were largely known as believers. Believers. Believers of what? Believe in Christ. 
Not believe that there's breakthrough for you. Yeah, those things can come. But that's not the, the core. Excuse me. That's not the core of our belief. Some of us, we have faith, but you're only using faith for material gain and personal things. Oh, I have faith for this. I have faith for this. I have faith to build a house. I have faith to buy a car. I have faith to be a millionaire. I have faith. Drop it. <laughs> Drop it. That, that, is, that is not the core of Christianity. The core of Christianity is you have faith in Christ as the son of the living. And you live, you commit your entire life to that. That is it. That is the, uh, so accept it. Ascensus. <laughs> I forgot about what I was saying. So for Dukia, sorry, Noticia, or Notai. Ascensus, accept it, and Fiducia. No, um, uh, yeah. So Fiducia, it means that to commit your life to it. Some people have accepted it, but they have not committed their life to it. That's why they still live anyhow like unbelievers. You say, I go to church, but I still live like an unbeliever. Because you have actually not accepted Jesus, received Jesus Christ. It means that you believe in the facts that you heard about Jesus from the scriptures. Number two, you accept it, it's true. And then number three, you commit your life to it. So, um, as uh, noticia, ascensus, fuducia. These are Latin ways. If you don't do that, you have actually not saved. So that's why some people have received, but they have not committed themselves to it. They are not living by. They come to church because anyway, I believe. I believe Jesus. That I believe there's God. I believe. I believe there's God. I believe there's God. But are you living according to that? Are you committing your life to it? Are you living for it? If you, have, you haven't committed your life to it your light to it, then you are a sinner. Then you are committing sin. So it's not so much what you are doing that makes you a sinner, but you have not committed, you have not committed your life to Christ. What does it mean? Believe in him and receive him and live like that. Live based on his way. He becomes, you, you come under new management. He becomes your Lord and Savior, your Lord, your boss. Until that, you're actually on your way to hell. <laughs> so... <laughs> It's so important. Believe in, and why we be able to go into this thing? Believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, and you shall be saved. That's what they told the Philippian jailer. John three sixteen. For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son, that whosoever believes in Him should not perish but have everlasting life. John three thirty thirty six. He that believes on the Son has everlasting life. And he that believeth not on the Son shall not see life. Do you see that? But the wrath of God abides on him. People think, oh, God is love. God will understand. The wrath of God is on a person who has not believed in Christ. It doesn't matter the nice things you are doing. If you haven't believed in Christ, oh, come on. Some people, see, this is what makes Christianity a problem for the world, for pluralism. For rationalism, oh, it's, it's all about how I think. I have to use my own mind to understand and think. Once I think about it, so it, it makes sense to me, then it means that it makes sense. So if it doesn't make sense to me, it doesn't mean that it's not true, it doesn't make sense. You know, <laughs> rationalism, that's rationalism. <laughs> so pluralism, rationalism, and uh, secularism. Live your own life, separate it from what you are doing, don't bring it. Christianity, your religion must be privatized. Privatization of religion, that's secularism. Don't bring it out. Because there are other people who also believe their own thing, so, and it's also true for them. What is truth? Truth is not from inside, uh, as, as the um, rationalist was purport. Truth is not all uh, rel relativists. It's depend. It depends on you. It's subjected to you. So if you think it's true, then it's true to you. If, no, no, no. Truth is one. Truth is not from inside you. Truth is from outside you. Well, so it's so important to believe. This, this is a, he that believes on the Son has everlasting life. And he that believes not shall not see life. This is serious. But the wrath of God abides on. So people are walking, in, walking. Even some go to church, but the wrath of God is upon them. The wrath of God. See, we only talk about the love of God, but we don't make God pure and just and holy. A just God, a holy God, must have wrath against sin. Other than that, he's not holy. That's why you can't say, I've really repented and I love God, I genuinely love God, but you don't care about sin. You, you are, sometimes you find sin entertaining. You're entertaining yourself with people sinning. You're laughing. <laughs> oh, come on. You find sin distasteful when you are genuinely converted and genuinely in Christ. All right. Hmm. So it says that, uh, uh, look at Acts 13. I, I'm just 
co-million scriptures with you so somebody can. I just like to read the Bible, you know. So permit me if I've not got much to say. Forgive me. I just, just like reading the Bible. Uh, okay, if it's the Bible, we can all read it. Or, yes, but it's nice for us all to read it together and hear it. This, um, Acts 13, 39, and by him all that believe are justified from all things. So your believing in him is what justifies you from all things. Bible says in Acts chapter 4, verse 12, there's no other name given amongst men by which we might be saved. The name that is, uh, except that, but the name Jesus, no other name. No other name. It's only, it takes Jesus to be saved. And what, how does it, how do you get saved? John, First John chapter 5 verse 10, it says that he that believes on the Son of God has the witness, uh, the witness in himself. He that believes not, not God, sorry, he that believes not God has made him a liar because he believes not the record that God gave of his son. God himself on his day of baptism said, this is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. So as I said, Christianity is all about belief. That is why we can spend all our church life just dancing <laughs> or having, as it were, entertainment and fun. Significant part of our gatherings must be dedicated to teaching the scriptures from, from the scriptures so God can, we can know, we can have no tie, we can have information. You see, um, everybody who is alive and has certain level of understanding will know. If you just reason, you will know that God, there is God behind everything. There's God, all right? Bible says that in Romans chapter 1, verse 18 and 19, it talks about all the and creation, all the invisible attributes of God are revealed, all right, by the things that were made. So the things that you don't see about God, when you look at by the things that were made, the things that are made, it reveals to God. So, so creation and life and reason tells you there is God. So people can know God through reason, but you can't know him enough to be saved through reason. You have to know, know him through the revelation of scriptures for you to be saved. So you can know God, but knowing about, you can know about God, it doesn't get you saved. It doesn't get, but it's when you know what, the, the, what God has revealed concerning himself and his plans for your life and for humanity, and you believe in it, that's what makes you saved. So you can know God generally, but it does not save you. It only condemns you. But when you know, the more you know, the more you realize that you're actually a sinner. You know, the more you go, oh my God, you are a sinner. And you are going to hell. You're on your way to hell. But once you believe that it's the revelation of God given to us through scripture, that's when you get saved. So if you believe, you, do you believe what he said? I, I quoted in the last session. I, I think I kind of like that statement. In um, Acts chapter 26, verse 27, King Agrippa Believes, do you, do you believe the prophets? All right, do you believe the prophets? I know you do. <laughs> believe that thou the prophets, King Agrippa. So it's so important to know that to be a Christian, you need to believe in Christ, and to believe in Christ means that to eat his body and so eat his flesh and drink his blood. Eat his flesh and drink his blood. Eating his flesh means you are believing in him, drinking his blood means we are believing in him. But that makes us. To, it's, that makes it necessary to go into scripture to find out, in the, particularly in the Old Testament, find out, as I taught the other time, what it means to eat him. How, in what manner are we supposed to believe in him? Or are we supposed to eat his flesh and bring his blood? In what manner? So that is the core of the message. So it's all about belief, but in what manner should we believe in him? In how? As I, I practically said a lot already, but let me just give it in a point form just to make justice to the previous sessions. Now, when you read it, somebody will say, but do we need the Old Testament at all? Oh, yeah, we do. The Gospels are not, the, gosp you can, you, the Gospels are not, uh, um, in other words, the, the Gospels are not sufficient to give us the whole Gospel. <laughs> when we talk about the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, they are the books dedicated to the biography of Jesus. All right, this is very historic. Is a story his historical in nature, so it's uh, um, narrative. It's just narrative. It tells us the story of Jesus, his birth, his living, all that we know on his human living. We know mainly, mainly, all right, from the 
pr primarily from the Gospels. But the Gospels are not enough, uh, are not comprehensive enough to tell us the full gospel. So to have the full gospel about his deity and to have a proper understanding, you need the entire scripture, you need the entire Bible to be able to understand because the Bible, as I preached some time ago, the whole book is a hymn book. This is a hymn book, it's talking about him. It's all about him, about Jesus. If you read the Bible and you do not see Christ, you have not read it. If you read the Bible and you don't see Christ, you have not read it. If you are coming to the Bible, you are better off put on your sunglasses. So you can see through the sun. S-O-N, not S-U-N. Sunglasses, the son of God. Believing that he is the son of God. Then when you begin to look with your sunglasses, you begin to see all kinds of things. Years ago, I watched a certain movie. Um, I think, is it Nicolas Cage? Or I've forgotten. They were trying to look for a certain treasure forgotten the name of the movie. They're looking for a certain treasure and then it's hidden somewhere, it's traveling and uh, then he, he saw some map, you have to look the map and then the map will show you where some a key is and then you follow the map and then they saw a certain map but the map, you can't read it with that particular type of glasses because what is written, you see the basic thing but when you put on the glasses, you can see more. It's just like the ultraviolet light. When they shine it or they put the currents, the, the uh, notes, on it, under it, it tells whether it's fake or true. So ultraviolet, you need the sunglasses, it's like just almost like ultraviolet glasses to read the Bible, then you begin to see Christ. Now, in the Old Testament, Christ is all over in the Old Testament, but you won't see him until you come to the New Testament and have a relationship with him, discover him, and then once you know how he looks like, when you go into the Old Testament, you will see that he's all around, all over the place. It's like when you are reading a map, you need the key, all right, the key. Once you get the key, you go to the map, you know, oh, okay, this means this, this means this, this means this. But until you go to the key, you get, you understand the key, you can't understand the entire map. So the Old Testament is kind of, Christ is hidden inside it, all over, in everywhere in the Old Testament, because the whole thing is about Christ. However, you won't see him until you know him in the New Testament very well. So start reading your Bible necessarily doesn't, you don't have to start from Genesis to Revelation. It's not a book, it's not a novel. The Bible is a, uh, it's a hymn book, okay? It's not just an ordinary book, it's a hymn book about Christ. So you are better off starting in the New Testament. And then after you have found Christ in the New Testament, when you go into the Old Testament and begin to read, you begin to see he's all over the place. Hallelujah. It makes the whole Old Testament come alive. So why am I saying this? Because everything in the Old Testament, according to Hebrews chapter 8, verse 5, Hebrews chapter 9, verse 5, Hebrews chapter 10, chapter 10, verse 2. It talks about how all these things, verse, sorry, verse 11, all, verse 1, Hebrews 10, verse 1, uh, they are in shadows. Hebrews 10, verse 1, it says that, the, 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 for the law having a shadow of the good things to come. So all the things that were around in the Old Testament, they, they were shadows. You can't, it's, uh, if I put my hand on the table, you see, my hand will cast a shadow. But it doesn't have, shadow doesn't have, shadows don't have details. You can know me very well through shadows. So a lot of, but it's, uh, it represents me accurately, but not in, in details. So shadows, so there are shadows of Christ all over in the, New, in the Old Testament. In, in Colossians chapter 2, verse 16 and 17, he said, let anyone, not know anybody bother you about what to drink, what to eat, because they are all shadows. All right, and Hebrews chapter nine verse five again. That one is actually a kind of kind of interesting. Hebrews chapter nine verse five says that the, uh, oh, uh, and over it the cherubs of the glory, uh, uh, the cherubs of glory, shadowing the mercy seat. So what you saw, it, it, they're shadowing it. It's like a replica, okay, in a certain sense, right? So Christ, uh, Hebrews chapter eight verse five, who served unto the example and the shadow of heavenly things. Moses and all the things, the shadows. So we can't we can hold on to shadows. And so in, once we have Christ, we do, that's why we don't do uh, animal sacrifices. That's why we don't burn candles. We don't um, do the things they did in the Old Testament. We do not have to follow because they were shadowing and we are now in the reality. That's why we don't have to follow a Sabbath day in worship. Okay, because these are all shadows. That is so important. Now, um, so let's look at one typical shadow. <laughs> Hallelujah. Oh, glory to Jesus. Uh, let me finish this thing in a very quick way then. Exodus chapter 12, verse 
7, and they, they're talking about the Lamb, okay, the Lamb of God who was, guess what? Jesus was portrayed the Lamb of God in the time of Abraham. The Abraham, when he was going to sacrifice again, as a God said, no, you can't sacrifice him later. Just keep him away. Give him, give him, give me a Lamb. And the Lamb was caught by the horn in uh, tongues. That's why they put tongues on his head. He was, all those things are shadowing Christ. And guess what? The mountain on which Abraham sacrificed that lamb is the same mountain on which Jesus Christ, God sacrificed his son. Abraham gave God a reason to sacrifice his son because he was willing to sacrifice his only begotten son. <laughs> only precious son. Hallelujah. So now, so that, from that time, the Jews knew about the lamb. There's a lamb of God. There's a lamb of God. Then in the Exodus, for them to leave Egypt, God said, get a lamb and slaughter the lamb, sacrifice the lamb. And then now when you slaughter the lamb, this is what you should do. And you shall take of the blood and strike it on the two doorposts of the upper, uh, upper door, two side posts and on the upper doorpost of your house wherein you eat it. And ye shall eat the flesh, the flesh in, in that night, roasted with fire and unleavened bread and with bitter herbs. Um, so now, what's the first point? You Let's look at verse 9. It shall uh, eat, eat not of it raw, nor sodden, or that means boiled, okay? Nor sodden with water at all, but roasted with fire. So how do you eat it? Number one, I said don't eat it raw. What does it mean to eat Christ raw? To consider him as just an ordinary human being, like they will tell you, it's, it's just his teachings. He just lived a nice life like Mahatma Gandhi believes. Lived a nice, nice life, so let's accept that. All right, or it's just one of the prophets who also lived, and let's accept that. No, don't eat him raw. Don't don't bring him and lower him to the status of every other person. Don't eat him raw. All right. So that's what it means to eat him raw. Jesus said in his own words, "I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except by me." John chapter. 14 verse six. I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except by you. Need to come through me. All right. I am the truth. Forget about what everybody, every other person will say. I am the truth. He came to die in Ephesians chapter one, verse seven. Bible says that he he came, he gave his life to redeem us. All right. So um, you notice that he just didn't come and live and to live an ordinary life. He lived the God kind of life on earth, and his life, his life in Romans chapter five, verse ten. He said, "How much more shall we be saved by if we are justified by his death? How much more shall we not be saved by his life?" So the life he lived also saves us. Okay, so don't eat him raw. Don't eat him raw. Number two, boil. Uh, do, um, do not boil him. To boil him, so you are killing an animal. It's dead, but it's, it's just boiling. So when you consider his death, don't consider his death as martyrdom or just they killed him because he was a nice man, they envied him and killed him. No, don't mind the people who say that they don't understand the gospel. The gospel actually tells us that we have redemption through his blood, all right? So his death on the cross is a redemptive death. It's, the theological term is uh, vicarious death. He died in our place. We are supposed to die, but he died in our place. You are doing it on the behalf of somebody. So it's a vicarious death. His vicarious death on the cross was redemptive. He brought redemption to buy us back. Romans 7, 14 says that I'm sold under sin. I'm carnal, sold under sin. But he came and bought us back. In Colossians 1, 14, he said we have redemption through his blood. All right, so he's dying on the cross. In Galatians chapter 3, verse 13, he says that Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law, having been made a curse for us. When was he made a curse? Whoa, Christ was made a curse? Yes. Why and when? Bible says that um, he was referred, they said it was made a curse for us. That's the vicarious. We are supposed to be the ones cursed, but he came and took our curse. Curse because it is said uh, that curse is anyone that hangs on the tree. And he hangs on the tree, the cross. So as he hung on the tree, it's a sign of a cursed person. So he hung on the tree, so he received the curse so that we can receive the blessing. Hallelujah. That's why Ephesians 1.3 says that blessed be God who has blessed us with all spiritual blessings. Why? Because our, the curse has gone to Christ and we have gotten the curse. And anyone, the Bible says, anyone who breaks the law is cursed. Okay, so if you break the law of God, you are cursed. But the curse doesn't stay on you once you come in Christ. 
Hallelujah. All right, so it's important. So he died on the cross, not as a martyr, but he died to redeem us from our, 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 our sins. In Romans chapter, thank you, Jesus. In Romans chapter 3, verse 24, I pray somebody's learning something. In Romans chapter 3, verse 24, it says that being justified freely by his uh, by his grace through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. So redemption came through Christ Jesus and that is what justifies us. Not by our own works, but by the redemption that came through Christ Jesus. First Peter chapter 1 verse 18 and 19. I've been quoting the scripture quite a lot. For as much as ye know that you were not redeemed with corruptible, corruptible things as silver and gold from your vain conversation received, uh, uh, received by tradition from your fathers, but with the precious blood of Christ as a lamb without blemish and without spot. So he see as a lamb, the lamb of God without blemish and without spot, uh, he redeemed us. We were redeemed by the blood of the lamb. So his, his, his death on the cross is not a normal death, an ordinary death. It is a redemptive death. All right. Don't approach it. Uh, don't normalize it like it's an ordinary death. It's a redemptive death. The Lamb, behold, John 1, 9, 29, behold the Lamb of God. So he died on the cross as the Lamb of God, what, who takes away the sins of the world. So you have to believe in him. That is the Lamb of God. That's why, what does it mean to believe in him? It means to eat his flesh. You are eating him means you believe that he's the Lamb of God that takes, so his death is a redemptive death. It takes away the sins of of the world. We are redeemed through his blood. Let me just show you uh, this scripture. Hebrews chapter um, thank you Jesus. Hebrews chapter 9 verse 14. Hebrews chapter 9 verse 14. How much more shall the blood of Christ who through the eternal redemption offered himself without spots. So he offered himself on his dying on the cross was an offering of himself. He offered himself without spot. Hebrews chapter uh, uh, 7 verse 27. Hebrews 7 27 says that who needs no, no, uh, not daily as other high priests to offer up sacrifices for, uh, sorry, first for his own sins and then for the, for the people's. For this he did once when he offered up himself. So when he was dying on the cross, he's actually offering up himself. Somebody sent me an email asking me that when Jesus said, Lord, if it's possible, let this cup, Matthew chapter 26, let this cup come and pass. Let this cup come pass. I think Matthew 26, 36, somewhere there. Let this cup come pass. But not as I will, let your will be done. What, what cup was he talking about? What cup was he talking about? He, why didn't he want to? If the, was he not the same person who said, I came on this earth to die? So if he said, I came to die, why are you saying that? No, I don't want to die anymore. Now that cup he was talking about is the, the wrath of God coming on him. And that was not his, why did the wrath of God come on him? Because he bore our sin on the cross. So when he bore our sin on the cross, he gave himself the cross. All right, let me, I think, let me say the next point so that it fits into it. So the next point is, for point number one, don't eat him raw. Point number two, don't boil him. Point number three, roast him. Eat him roasted. And as, as I explained, roasting means that bring him under fire. Hebrews chapter 12 verse 29 says God is a consuming fire. In Deuteronomy chapter 4 verse 24, it says God is a consuming fire. In Deuteronomy chapter 9 verse 30, 9 verse 3, it says God is a consuming fire. In the book of Second Chronicles chapter 35 verse 13, it talks about how they, they've boiled the, the sacrifice. They burn it with fire, the lamb the Passover sacrifice, burning with fire. So fire stands for the judgment of God. As I said in the last Sunday, stands for the judgment of God. So when he was dying on the cross, it was the judgment of God that was coming upon him and he was going to take sin. Nothing broke his heart like when God turned his face away from him because God, now he saw the, uh, the other side of God, the anger, God's anger against sin. God doesn't take sin lightly, please. Remember, God's anger against sin because he's so holy his holiness means that fire must fall when his holiness is breached so the judgment that should come upon us you and i sinners as we are we are the judgment came upon 
Christ. And first of all, our sins, he bore our sins in his own flesh in the cross. Second, first Peter chapter 2, verse 24. He, he bore our sins in his own body on the cross. So when he was on the cross, he was not just dying. No. He, was, he, he was working. He wasn't just dying. He was working. What was he doing? He was paying the price for sin to the justice of God. So when the sin came on him, God is so holy, he can't stand sin. So God turned his face. That's why he said, Eli, Eli, Lamak, Sabak, Tani. Father, Father, why have you forsaken me? That was what he was worried about. That was what he dreaded. That for the first time, God will separate himself from me, as it were, from my human Jesus. He said, the father in John chapter 8, verse 29, the father has always been with me. He has not let me because I do the things that please him. So why is it that when he was saying, the lecture will be done on the cross, and he was pleasing him, the father separated himself from him. That's what he feared. And he said, if it's possible, let this thing. He feared. He could never live without his father. He lived the life of the father. He said, I am, John 10, 30, I and the father are one. John 5, 17 and 19. He said, the son of himself can do nothing except that which he sees his father do. He was almost like a reflection of what the father was doing. He was mimicking. So he lived the father's life on earth. And then on the cross, when sin came on him, the father turned his face away. So he said, why have you forsaken me, father? And that's what, it's not the cross that killed him. But it's the strain of the rejection he felt because he took our sin. We were supposed to be uh, rejected. We had a problem with God. We are supposed to reject it. But he took our rejection so that we will be accepted. So Ephesians chapter 1, he said that we are accepted in the beloved. Those God loves, he has accepted. We are accepted in him. How? Ephesians chapter 1, 7, 8, 9. We are accepted in the beloved. How? Because somebody took our place and was rejected. Second Corinthians chapter 5, verse 21. He, he, who, he made him who knew no sin to be sin for us. Christ knew no sin. Hebrews chapter 4, verse 15. Bible said he was tempted at all points and yet without sin. So he knew no sin. He was, sin, he was sinless. He, Romans chapter 8, verse 3. He says that what the law could not do in the, in the flesh, in that it was weak to the flesh, God did by sending his son, verse 4, in the likeness of sinful flesh and condemned sin in the flesh. All right. So he, was, he came in the likeness of sinful flesh, but without sin of the flesh. So Christ bore our sins on the cross. He didn't just die. We, he was roasted with the fire, the blood of uh, the fire of God. He was the, the judgment of God came upon him. God turned his face on him and put the judgment on him and said, oh, this is what I didn't want to happen. That's the cup he dreaded. He dreaded this cup that is coming. What was the cup? That God would turn his face away from me. And he screamed, that's when he died. He died of strength. The soldiers were surprised he was, that, that he was dead so quickly. He was dead so quickly. Well, how can he be dead so quickly? Because when God turned his face, the, the, the strain, the pressure, the stress, and the strain and depression killed him. <laughs> Eat him roasted. And then um, it's so important. Yeah, I told you I was going to mention the fact that in uh, uh, Titus chapter 2, verse 4, and Ephesians 5, let me just show these scriptures. Titus, Titus chapter 2, verse 14 says that, and let, uh, uh, and let us also learn, um, I'm sure I'm reading verse chapter 3, who gave himself for us that he might redeem us from our iniquities and purify. He gave himself for us. So Jesus gave himself in Hebrews chapter 7, 27. He offered himself for us. In Hebrews chapter 9, verse 20, 28, he says that he offered himself. He gave himself as an offering for us. So Jesus offered himself in Hebrews chapter 10, verse 10, chapter 10, verse 12, chapter 10, verse 14. It all talks about how he offered himself. So he was, his dying was offering. He was offering himself for God for our on our behalf as, uh, as a sin sacrifice, a sin substitute. So the judgment of God will come on him and not on us. Hallelujah. What an amazing love. That the songwriter says that, uh, uh, and, can, and can it be that I should gain an interest in the Savior's blood? Died he for me, that who his uh, <laughs> amazing love, how can it be that thou, my God, should die for me? You died for me. So don't, don't, don't eat him, roast him. Know that he died for you. He went on the cross for you and I. That's how you should believe in Christ. And how do you believe in him? He says that with unleavened bread, eat it with unleavened bread. Verse Exodus chapter, let me go back again, chapter 12, verse um, 8. It says that they, they shall eat the flesh in the night, roast with fire and unleavened bread. Okay, so eat it with 
unleavened bread. Unleavened, leaven, as I told you, leaven stands for sin. It says, beware of the Pharisees, the leaven of the Pharisees, hypocrisy. The hypocrisy of the Pharisees, the duplicity of the Pharisees, sin and wrong doctrine. So uh, I think Matthew chapter 16, verse 6, Matthew chapter 16, verse 11, Luke chapter 12, verse 1. It's all over the place. It says, be careful about the, the yeast of the Pharisees, the leaven of the Pharisees. Mark chapter 8, verse 15, the leaven of the Pharisees. In 1 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 6, it says, Christ is our Passover. And so let us take away the sin so that we can, uh, the leaven, so that so, uh, we, we can have a living bread. It's a leaven. A little leaven leavens the whole lamb. I taught a whole message on that. A little living. So living said, don't believe in him with accommodation of sin. Oh, by grace, by grace, by grace, by grace, by grace. And you are eating grass. By grace, by grace. By, by, you are reducing yourself to grass. If you, you cannot, how, listen, how can you accommodate sin by grace? <laughs> so we have to eat him with unleavened bread. And then it, it, then it all goes on to say that eat him. So number number one, not raw, number two, boiled, not boiled, number three, roasted, number four, with unleavened bread, number five, with uh, bitter herbs, all right, bitter herbs mean, as I said, it means the regret and repentance, you regret for sin and repent from sin, so bitter herbs is so important, and then number six, um, number five is regret and repentance, all right, so like Hebrews chapter 12 verse 11 talks about um, no, no chastisement, no discipline is pleasant for the moment. So when God is disciplining you, it's hard. It's the, the, you're going through a hard time. But that's how you should be believing in Christ with some difficult times against sin. Going through something because in Hebrews chapter 12, it says that, I think verse 4 or so, for you have not resisted yet unto blood. Have you suffered so much that you have left your blood? Why are you behaving like you have been killed for believing in Jesus? All right. Some died believing like uh, 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 Antipas. Antipas in Revelations chapter 2 from verse 11. There, his faithful servant Antipas. He died for, for, for his faith. So um, re repentance uh, in 2 Corinthians chapter 7 verse 10. He says that godly sorrow works repentance. And it's not to be repented of. So if you are genuinely sorrowful, if you are repenting, it makes you sorrowful. You, you are not happy about So bitter helps. So you have to believe God with repentance. Believe in Jesus with repentance, having repented from your sins. And then um, number six is eat all of it. Okay, he said eat everything. Verse, um, verse nine. Um, yeah, verse nine said uh, eat not it raw, nor sodden at all with water, but roast with fire his head, his head with his leg, with his um, pertinence thereof. So intestine and everything, it all. Now, now, don't take Christ part of it and leave part of it. Now, I believe in Jesus, but not everything is taught, he taught I can live by. No, you see, you are not eating everything. His wisdom is higher than, our Bible says that uh, the wisdom of God is wiser than the wisdom of men. The, sorry, the foolishness of God. That assuming God is foolish, assuming, even if when he's foolish, his, his foolishness is far above our, our the highest wisdom. Bible says that it pleased God, that in the, in the wisdom of God, it has pleased him that the world through wisdom will not know God. So if they are going to do research and I know, I know, they won't be, but those of us who believe in him, we can know him. We believe that through the foolishness of preaching, you believe the preaching that has been Preach the teaching that has been preached. You believe it, that's how you get saved. It's not, you are so, I've, I've done a lot of research. I'm, I'm trying to check all the religions and I'm, a, you know, I'm trying to seek which one is the truth. You go and go and you end up with amalgamation of religions. It's called syncretism. Syncretism, amalgamation of religion. And you get confused. Anyone who tells you I've tried all the religion and practice, they're always confused. All right, so, um, so believe in Christ. Uh, believe that he died and then, um, take everything, eat him all. I can't go further into it because I explained the other time. And then number seven, with your loins. So number one, not raw. Number two, boiled. Number three, sorry, not number two, not boiled. Number three, roasted. Number four, with unleavened bread, unleavened bread. Number five, you have to eat him with bitter herbs. Number six, you have to eat all, nothing remaining, all of him and nothing remaining. Number seven, eat uh, with your loins girded, readiness to act, all right? Readiness to be alert, 
be alert and it's not everything you can do everywhere you can go because you are very conscious of the fact that Bible says be sober and vigilant for your adversary the enemy six round of Rome's round Roma first uh, Peter chapter 5 verse uh, 7 and 8 verse 8 be sober and be vigilant that that kind of awareness and consciousness that I'm working with God I am a, I'm a child of God so that's not I can't even enter a relationship with anybody at all the fact that I'm desperate for marriage doesn't mean I can enter a relationship with anybody at all. Is it not true? Just socially speaking, you can't just go out with anybody at all because you want a man or you want a woman. You can't do that. In the same way, when you are saved and you're working with God, you are conscious who is in your core team, who is your ally, who you are going to make a covenant with. Those things are important. You are conscious where you go, what you do. So you, 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 um, you get your loins, all right? And Ephesians chapter 6, verse 4, verse 14. It said, get your loins with the belt of truth. In First Peter chapter 3, chapter 1, verse 13, it talks about the, get the loins of your mind. Time. And then eat it in his. Don't waste time. In First Samuel chapter 21, verse 8, it says that king's business requires haste. So don't wait. God tells you something, obey. Once you know you have to do something, do it quickly and then don't delay. And so eat it in haste. These are the eight ways we are supposed to eat the flesh. And then the blood, we have to apply it with hyssop. I can't go into that. And then on the doorpost. I think that's okay. It's, it's, it's enough. I think this is enough for us. So number one, how do you eat Christ? How do you believe in Christ? Uh, uh, how do you eat him? Don't eat him raw. Number two, don't eat him boiled. Number three, eat him roasted. Number four, eat with unleavened bread. Number five, eat with bitter herbs. Number six, eat him, all of him, every aspect, his leg, his head, and everything. Eat all of him. Don't leave anything. So number six is eat all of him and leave nothing out. Number seven, eat all of him and leave nothing out. Number seven is eat with your loins girded. Number eight, eat in haste. That's how we should believe Christ. For he who believes in the Lord Jesus Christ shall be saved. He says that if you believe in me, you will not die in your sins. He said, because you don't believe I am the one, you will die in your sins. John chapter 5, verse 24. So John chapter 8, verse 24. So let's believe in Jesus. Amen. We thank God for using his servant, Reverend Dr. David Entry, to share this awesome word. If this message has blessed you in any way, please spread the word by sharing it and send us an email to amen at charis.org. Remember to stay connected with us on Facebook, Instagram, YouTube and Twitter for regular updates on what God is doing here at Caris Ministries. Stay blessed.